Welcome to Carson Chatter, a podcast focused on Carson City, the people who shape it, and the real estate that defines it. I'm Sina Lloyd, Carson City Library Director, and I'm here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Garrett Lapierre, local realtor with Century 21 Jim Wilson Realty. In addition to another great guest interview this week, we have our weekly segments, Community Connections, and Lapierre's Corner. Stay with us, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. We have John Wood, who is a candidate for uh, Ward 1 City Supervisor. Correct. Thank you for joining us, John. Appreciate you coming in. Enjoy the opportunity. You betcha. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you came to run for supervisor. Okay. Uh, Background basically is I've been pretty much most of my life self-employed. do uh, mechanical contracting, heating, air conditioning, refrigeration, those sort of things. Was always uh, had a tendency to be at the forefront of the technology, pushing the envelope a little bit. Sometimes I came back to bite you, but other times it was a a good thing. Um, I'm very, very technological-minded as far as uh, uh, saving energy, which is one of my biggies, um, and have had a lifelong uh, ability to identify places where money and um, uh, energy is wasted, and then to be able to turn around and eliminate that waste and do things for less money. It's one of the things I want to bring to the city here. I like it. So, yeah, that background, is that what you've been doing here lately? You know, where, Recently? Yeah. Um, in, since, well, basically, I haven't been in business for myself since I left Montana. I left, we came down here in 2006. Okay. Um, that's where I was in business. That's where I raised my family. Uh, when my family, my children left, they decided that they did not wish to continue in the business with me. Okay. Uh, after a period of time, my wife and I looked at each other and we says, you know, the winters are getting very, very long. <laughs> yep, they're rough up there. <laughs> and so we, we basically sold out and uh, cast around looking for various places in the world that we would like to live. And uh, Carson City, believe it or not, was one of the very top choices for us as far as personal uh, desire to have a, a working community that's about the size we came from. Uh, we found the people here extremely friendly and cooperative. Uh, it's an enjoyable. It's an enjoyable city. I just. I just want to be a part of the city as much as possible. Right. Right. Um, so, had you been through here before? Had you been to the area? No, I had not. I wow. actually sat down before I came. Uh, the, before I decided to do this, I kind of did it in a little bit of a scientific way. I sat down and looked at all of the cities that were in an area that had an, uh, an economy, uh, a climate and um, a personality that we wanted to live in. So then we came here, and at that point in time, uh, some people, they have a, a crisis, a midlife crisis. They want to change, you know, change wives, change cars, get sports cars, whatever. No, not me. I just decided for the first time in my life, really, that I wanted to uh, uh, work for somebody else. And so when we came here, I started working for Plasma Edge, which is a local manufacturer. Yep. Uh, worked for them. They sent me all over the world. I have a lot of experience with dealing with a lot of multicultural uh, experiences. Love traveling, love the food. Uh, it was probably one of the best experiences in my life uh, as far as broadening my horizons. Very cool. Uh, my young daughter, uh, I had often complained to her that I says, you know, there's it's been years and years and years, and I've always been tied down to this business. So we never could go anywhere. She says, yeah, she says, Dad, we hardly ever have vacations together. And I says, well, I says, I apologize for that, but I did put a living, you know, I, I put you through school, mm-hmm. raised you properly, and um, so that was good. Uh, what's nice is, is that once we moved here, um, 
we realized we'd made the right choice. We really did. I love this area. Love the people. Um, and not only that, but my daughter decided that she would also move here. Very and, cool. Uh, she is now a realtor in the area. Nice. Uh, they gave me my first grandchild, who is 18 months old. Uh, so I'm very excited about that, having the family back together again. Yep. So everything, all things seem like they work together for good. Wonderful. Wonderful. That's awesome. Yep. Okay, so you are running for Board of Supervisors Ward 1. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you decide to run? Uh, you know, I have been watching the politics, watching the city, watching things going on in the city, um, and have often thought that I would like to be involved in the process uh, of making the sausage, so to speak. Um, not everybody wants to get into that, and having talked to several of the supervisors, um, I realized that this is a sausage-making process. Um, but I'm, I'm interested in doing that. Um, I really want to be able to have a community here that's affordable for my children and grandchildren when they grow up so that they can enjoy this area as much as I did when I got here. I don't want to see anything happen to this community that would cause it to be less enjoyable, less pleasant, uh, uh, less worthy of living in than, than when I came here or even make it better if at all possible. That's a fair. That's that's a fair goal and a noble goal. How do you do that? How, how, how do you make things more affordable? Let's let's well, dive into that topic that's, first. That's okay. Affordability. I think that uh, one of the things that I do bring to the table, uh, having been in the construction industry for so long and having been a private industry uh, owner, right, that I can come in and I can look at systems, and I can take and identify in those systems inefficiency in the systems. Also, uh, any unintended consequences that seem to come with a lot of decisions. And possibly, uh, with, with the cooperation of, of course, the other board members and the community, is to simplify and streamline processes so that you can get more done with the same amount of money or, hopefully, the same amount or more done with less money. So I think that there's, there's that opportunity, and that's what I think I do bring and I would like to offer. Very good. Okay. So what's your what's your 2020 vision? Where where do you see the city two years from now? Can I use my joke? I have to wear glasses. Mm-hmm. I don't see 2020. <laughs> uh, just have to bring that one in there because I thought that was so funny when I saw that question. Um, you know, the vision, um, again, the vision is, I think I explained it. I said I want to keep the city uh, lovely, affordable, and welcoming to all all comers. Okay. Right. That, that is the, the, the desire. Okay. So, question for you on the affordability. Do you think that, that wages, minimum wage, plays a factor in, in affordability? Well, I, I, I have a tendency, I'm, I'm a Republican and I lean very libertarian. Okay. Um, so, my idea is, is that, that minimum wage is not something that the government should be, should be identifying what that minimum wage is. Right. I think that private industry needs to compete for their labor. When there's competition for labor, then the prices of labor go up. And affordability, you know, of houses mm-hmm. become more affordable because you now have more income. Mm-hmm. I think the market values, market values are what we need more of. Less government uh, dictates on what we are allowed to do with our lives and more freedom to choose. Right, right. You know, I'm in real estate as well. That's that's my background and, and you know, the thing. And, and, and we've talked about it a little bit with some of the other guests. Is So if you do the math, and, and this number just it blows me away. If you make 15 bucks an hour and you work 40 hours a week, you're gonna take you're gonna gross about twenty three hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Okay, so forty hour work week that's a full time job, mm-hmm. fifteen bucks an hour. 
if you're a state worker, you're probably making that and, and hopefully more. Uh, but $15 an hour is certainly about double the, the minimum wage what we have here now. Okay, so that's not a, a wage that everybody has. 2300 before taxes, and then you're going to be sitting at about 1900 after taxes. Correct. The median rent here in Carson City is $1,300 a month. Yes. Uh, I don't know how you pay for a car, how you pay for food, how it you pay... Tough. You know, it, it is tough. It is exceedingly tough. Correct. I mean, honestly, to tell you the truth, 15 bucks an hour is really tough to live on, one salary of 15 bucks an hour. Correct. And we, in my personal experience right now, being the facilities manager at a casino... I deal with these uh, entry-level employees, the ones that are making minimum wage or slightly mm-hmm. above, and I deal with you know I, I deal with those people and the the issues that they have finding housing and babysitters and uh, all of the things that come attendant with just barely eking out a living. I'm not sure what the answer is because uh, it's nothing that I can affect here in the city. Mm-hmm. It has to do more with our government printing too much money. They cause inflation by printing money. So, you know, it, I, when I got out of high school, I was working in construction for two seventy five an hour. Okay, two seventy five an hour was big money back then. Right. I well, mean, hot dog can, costs five cents. Well, I, I was pumping gasoline for twenty cents a gallon. Okay? Twenty cents a gallon. Wow. Yeah, twenty cents a gallon. Amazing. And every once in a while, they would have a gas warm. Gas would go down to nine point nine a gallon. Wow. And I remember when the uh, uh, the uh, seventy two gas crisis, oil crisis came along. Which was government manufactured, I believe. But that being said, um, it was interesting that people would come in and they would say, 32 cents a gallon, when will it ever end? <laughs> well, I guess it's going to end up somewhere around $4 a gallon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, this, but the thing of it is, is if you look at the amount of money that people were making at minimum wage then, minimum wage at that time mm-hmm. was $1.60. At $1.60, you could almost survive. Right. Okay? Now, with minimum wage, you can't because minimum wage has not kept up with the uh, cost of living. Mm-hmm. Correct. Cost of living has, has accelerated well beyond that point. Agreed. The answers are not, I don't have the answers for that. Right. The answers are not here in the city government. Right. I will admit that. Right. But they are something that is heavy on my mind, trying to figure out these processes. Correct. Mm-hmm. Going back to affordability, because I know that's one of the things, affordability housing here. Yeah. Affordability is, is, you know, I mean, that, that's a personal thing because for somebody that's making minimum wage, there is no such thing as affordable housing. Correct. Where do you stay? Correct. Where do you stay? Mm-hmm. Well, in this city, I see that part of the housing problem or part of the housing solution has been the weekly motels mm-hmm. for these people. Now, in, it's not happening so much here, but when you go to Reno, they're, they're bulldozing all of the weekly motels. So now you're putting all of those people who barely got a living and could afford to have a weekly rental mm-hmm. out on the street, and they're becoming homeless because we want to beautify downtown Reno or midtown Reno. Mm-hmm. So this is something we have to watch out for. Everything that we do to improve our improve with mm-hmm. air quotes around that um, that we do to improve our city is going to have some some uh, consequences. And a lot of times, people at the bottom of the rungs are the ones that suffer the most from those consequences. Certainly agree. Certainly agree. And, and, and you know, the fact of the matter is, and I think my, I, I, I agree with you about affordability 110%. Really do. And, 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 and you're right. You know, the city's not going to come in and raise minimum wage. That's a, that's a state-level deal that's going to have to happen or a federal-level deal federal. that's going to have to happen. Um, 
but but what not being said is is you know we want to make affordable housing. We want to make this a place where families can come and and, and make it affordable for a minimum wage worker. But the policies that are in place make that impossible. And the fact of the matter is, is no one wants to cater to the lowest common denominator. No, and that's the problem. Is yes. the, everybody wants to go for the high dollar projects yes. and the high profit projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, we what we need to do is probably identify some altruistic people that have some money. They could put some funding out there. That's not the city, not the government, but someone that can come in from the private industry who's made their living and made made more than a living has has, has profited. From our wonderful society that we have, mm-hmm. and wants to put something back into that. And I think I think that one of the things that I, I hope to be able to do is to identify and coalesce a project like that, so that we can put together something that people can afford to live in. You know, uh, one of the problems that we're going to have is there's mandated densities in the city on properties. So that may be an issue that we have to look at: is what are the densities? Uh, we may have to look at what, what's allowed on a piece of property in order to change the housing. Uh, you know, I, I workforce housing, which is a, kind of a, a, a quote thing that I hear said, um, can be almost anything. I mean, up to, I mean, when you, even up to $20, $30 an hour, you're looking mm-hmm. at affordability issues for some, for a family. Correct. Um, so at the, at the basis of it is we need to look at a whole raft or package of ideas one of them is, again, the density factor. We have to look at possibly re-zoning re re, uh, uh, or re, re-identifying what the, the densities are on a piece of property, where we're going to allow that density, yep. how we're going to uh, uh, regulate that, that building. I mean, if, if, we, if we can back off some on the uh, uh, impact fees or if we can back off on some of the taxes or whatever the case may be, however the city can, uh, can accomplish that, so that it makes it uh, interesting for uh, someone who's a, a well-to-do person mm-hmm. with a, with a little bit of philanthropy in their heart to to come in and do something to build build out something like that. Now, I believe that ownership is a good thing. Ownership in anything, mm-hmm. even, whether it's your job, whether it's your city, whether it is uh, your home, your your business, and I think that uh, if there was a way to do it. That this idea that I have of more density in the area mm-hmm. uh, and allowing something say as simple as uh, maybe a, a simple kind of a condoed complex where people at the lower end of the extremes, income extremes, they can take an ownership in a piece of property. Okay. Because once you have an ownership in it, you're going to have a little more pride in it and take a little more care of it. Okay. And you're going to be a little more involved in your community. It's not going to be just a passing thing, and you're not going to let it run down. It won't, you'll, you get less uh, less of the blight that comes along with, with low-end renting. Correct. Go ahead. So do you think that renewable energy in Nevada and in Carson City could help with that affordability? Yeah, explain renewable energy. So solar wind energy? Um, I don't know that, that that's going to help at all with affordable housing uh, because at the moment uh, implementation of renewable energy costs so much mm-hmm. compared to what you can buy a kilowatt for right now uh, from uh, NV Energy. Okay, so with so NV Energy is working right now on some renewable energy as well. Do you mm-hmm. think that that could help um, yeah I mean there's bills when you have when you're renting a place or when you're owning a place do you think that would help 
um, reduce some of those costs um, coming I through. I don't think it's energy. going to be, I, I don't think it would be enough of an impact either way okay. to affect affordable housing. There, there, I mean, if you wanted to really affect affordable housing, at the basis of it would be something as simple as in uh, the property tax. Property taxes are high. Um, new, new buildings are taxed ex exorbitantly, I think. Um, and my personal opinion is is that uh, property taxes are uh, anti-property, anti-rights, anti-personal, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You can't, um, if you think about it, if, you, if, if the city or the state mm -hmm. has property taxes, they have a lien against your property. Correct. So even if you pay off that property, pay off, pay off your mortgage, and you quote-unquote own it outright, but for whatever reason that you can't make the property taxes, you can lose that property. Yes, you could. Okay. okay. So that's, that's <clears throat> the basis that I have against property taxes. And I realize that, that this whole city is built on property taxes. Mm -hmm. So th this is kind of like tilting at windmills a little bit. But I would really, 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 and this goes towards the big, big idea, is to sit down with some people and see if there isn't some sort of an alternate for financing other than property taxes. And I would love to have that discussion. I would love to sit down and have that discussion with anyone who would be willing to do that. Right. So, so let's hypothetically say, because um, I, I do think that you know tax abatement for a period of time could be a tool in the toolbox to to allow affordable development. Mm -hmm. Or saying, hey, you're going to come build 150 houses here in town. That's great. We want you to do that, and, and we encourage you. But ten of those units need to be affordable housing. You know, a small percentage of those have to be affordable homes. And in order for you to make your millions of dollars on this project, you need to have a little bit of philanthropy in your heart, to, to take a phrase from you, to, um, you know, allow some of these to be affordable units. Is that something that you think you would you'd be in favor of? Um, not, not really, because the problem is, is that if you take, um, say, 100 houses and you say, okay, well, you've got to build 10 of them that are affordable and mm -hmm. sell them below market, right. that drives the price of the other houses up. Because if you're in business to make a profit, you have to sell them the whole project for a profit. Right. Okay. The other thing is, is that um, I don't believe that you need to uh, make people feel like that they belong in a certain neighborhood. I mean, everybody's going to understand which houses are the low-income, low uh, subsidized housing. So, so I don't think that it should be mandated by the city, state, or anybody actually, um, that we that they're required to provide housing below market. I think that there's a market solution that doesn't require tax abatements and doesn't require uh, regulations for a builder mm -hmm. to provide for the public good that way. I think that that the market overall can provide for the public good if we release some of the regulations, some of the restrictions, and some of the taxes on that. Well, and, 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 that, and that's fair. I think the pushback you get is you have a neighborhood that has four houses for every acre, so quarter acre lots. Mm -hmm. and, and the plan to put density, which is certainly another tool in the toolbox for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. um, you say, okay, we're going to do eight homes per acre. That abuts to the neighborhood that has four homes per acre. Mm -hmm. that, and that's what you're going to start hearing is... is well, and, that, and that will be the discussion we need to have is to identify the areas in the city where we can do the higher density housing. Right, right. And, and uh, again, uh, if, if you think about townhomes and condos, 
that's the highest density per acre mm-hmm. and the lowest cost per square foot as far as the property, the, the dirt underneath it goes. Correct. So I think that that may be the answer for some of the lower cost uh, housing that we need to provide in the city. Right. Fair. Okay, so roads. Roads are always a topic of discussion yes. here in Carson City. <laughs> um, the gas tax, fa- gas tax failed. In your view, what does Carson City do now? Um, I think that we just need to look at um, what we have uh, allocated over a period of time. We have to, we have to take a long-term picture mm-hmm. of what the needs in the cities are, what the hierarchy of needs are. Roads is in there. It's below the fire department, police department, uh, the water and sewer. Okay, so it has to. So, so we have to do those. Those are life, mm-hmm. life, uh, uh, life emergency type situations. You gotta have sewer. You gotta have water. You gotta have police. Get a fire, right? Correct. Okay. So everything else is going to fall underneath of that. So what we need to do is, as again, looking at this from a system standpoint, is how we can leverage the most out of the money that's left over after those four biggies and put it into things like roads and sidewalks and cleaning ditches and, and taking trees down that hang over things. Fair, fair. Oh, yeah. Um, in, we, you've, you've, we, we spoke about housing a lot, um, and, and we talked a little bit about where some of that density could go. Where do you think, where do you think some of those locations are where, where you know, higher density housing could go? Well, I can't really say at the moment. I mean, that's something that we need to sit down and look at as, as a board, right. a total board, and we need to look at it and vet it to the community okay. and see what they can get behind because right. I, I think you have to have a buy-in from the community as well. Agreed. But, I mean, something as simple as one of these, uh, uh, what is it, the wheelhouse up here, the, the motel? Um, um, I, I know which one you you're talking about. The, the roundhouse, the roundhouse. Roundhouse, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. the roundhouse, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, I was wandering when I, when I was walking streets and talking to business owners about my candidacy and some of my policies, and, and I knocked on their door, and there's nobody in that hotel, motel. Um, I, I understand that they've been uh, closed down. Uh, but I, I look at a property like that, and I think, okay, now here, here's something that someone could possibly buy mm-hmm. in, in condo, okay? Go in for a fairly limited amount of money, make this into something that's similar to what I was talking about where you have uh, almost uh, efficiency-type units Mm -hmm. that people can have a buy-in to and they can have ownership in and become a part of the city and part of the the tax-paying part of the city. Okay? But uh, but that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at opportunities out there that some of them that already exist and uh, others that hopefully we can identify in the future to come to exist. I like it. Okay, so, you know, we talked about the affordable housing, roads, you spoke about property taxes earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, Just as a follow-up for that, you know, if we have a limited amount of money and, you know, we have to spend a certain amount on fire, police, water, sewer, Mm -hmm. and then we add in roads... you know, where does, where does the other quality of life type services in our community fall? So um, how do you continue to build on that and improve on the quality of life initiative, both question 18, but also libraries, parks and recreation? Um, how do you continue to do that with that limited funding? Well, now the, 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 question, the question 18 funds are, are identified as to what they're yes. to go for yep. towards open space. Correct. And that, that we need to look at. We need to figure out how to best use that money to the to the best advantage within the the scope of what was voted by the uh, mm-hmm. voted in by the uh, citizens. Correct. Um, I, 
I, I one of the ideas that I had, I don't know if you saw that or not, but I think that all of the, the like the bike paths and things so far that have been put in through that initiative, we need to put up just some kind of a little commemorative plaque, just something simple that allows the people to see where their money is going so they can get some feedback on what's happening. They voted for this, but it's not, a, it's not readily identifiable what it was that they're paying for. So I would like to be able to do that. Not only that, but then you'll be able to see where, which, which is the Title 18 or the, the Initiative 18 mm -hmm. or whatever, and which isn't. Okay. Okay. So you can see where that money's going and what it's been doing good for. Get feedback from the community on, do we like what you're doing with the money? No. Well, let's do something else with it. Or, or do we like that? Yes, let's do more of it. Right. Right. You, um, any other ideas? So we, we, we've hit a bunch of different topics. Any other things yeah, on your platform that are important to you that you want to talk about, that you want to get the message out about? Well, the biggest thing is I think that, that the city needs to treat all of its citizens equally. Um, one of the things that I constantly uh, have complaints from on businesses is the signs. You know, they're constantly going back and forth. And this has been a, a, a situation in flux. The, 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 the board has uh, addressed, again, the sign ordinances. But I don't think that it's going to ever be 100% for everybody. But I think that we need to allow, again, because people have property rights. Right. So if you have a business, you, you need to be able to let people know that you're in business. Agreed. You know, and not be and not feel that you have to move somewhere so that you have better frontage or better visibility to get that business from, you know, and survive. I like it. I like it. So, yeah, any specific instances or examples of that that, you know, you're talking about someone being able to maybe, you know, the height requirements 10 feet, you know, allow them to go to 15 feet so they can, you know, get that traffic. Well, it's, you know, it's, it runs the gamut on that. The, okay. the, the ordinances, like, you know, and I, uh, I use... The one of the ones that comes to my mind is, is the, the marijuana uh, establishments. They're allowed 15 square feet. Right. Um, but yet, when I'm sitting in my house in the north end of town, I can see um, the uh, Maverick, two Maverick signs uh, reflecting off the back wall of my house at night. So it does seem like there's a bit of uh, uh, inequity in how we uh, allot signage. Right. Uh, I would like to see a little more equality and equity in that. Um, okay. Uh, again, I don't like, there, there's a fine balance between just letting people do whatever they want, which could get exciting, <laughs> or restricting the heck out of a certain group of people and everybody in general. Um, I know the A-frame signs that are up and down the main drag here, um, there, there, there are opinions both ways on those. <coughs> But understand the need for them because when you're driving through town, all the signage that's even on the ones downtown right. is on the building flush and, and, and parallel to the roadway. So when you're driving through, it's not like unless you want to run over somebody in the pedestrian crossing, <laughs> rubbernecking the signs to see what's there, right. you need some way to be able to uh, let people know you're there. Perhaps getting away from the A-frames and hanging a, hanging a perpendicular sign off the building. I don't know. But these are things that we need to have discussions about right. and possibly uh, change things that make it more equitable for everyone. That's right. Okay. So the one question we ask everybody at the end is what is your BHAG or your big, hairy, audacious goal for Carson City? Well, I, I, the only real uh, audacious, and it's not really a goal, but it is audacious, is the idea of eliminating property tax probably not going to happen in my lifetime right um, running on the short end of the stick here but it would be something that I would love to be able to explore and, and get the seed going for that 
because I've seen so many people that, that uh, when I came from Montana, we had people up there that had, had uh, uh, settled in the 30s and had acreage and had a log house on acreage. And uh, they ended up having to sell their property because they could not afford the property taxes. Someone would come in and build a, a, a multi-million dollar mansion all around them. And because they did that, that drove their property prices up and drove their taxes up. So that, that's one of the things that, that I think we need to be able to protect the, the uh, vulnerable people in our society, which are the children and the elderly, right. from being thrown out of their homes because they can't afford to live there, even if it's quote-unquote paid for. Right. Do, do you think there might be ways to do that um, without necessarily eliminating property tax? And I think back to, um, like, my mom, um, she the county in which she lives in, in a state that is next to us that most people don't like. But still, she, her property tax is locked in at a certain amount. And if she were to move anywhere else in that county, she would be able to keep that amount. But it, her property tax is not has not increased in the last 25 years that she's lived in that property to an amount that she wouldn't be able to afford. Right. But the problem, the, you see, it sounds good in... in uh when you, when you talk about it, but again, the problem is with anything that, that benefits one group over the other is it shifts costs. Mm -hmm. See, anytime, anytime you help one person by relieving something, it's going to shift that cost onto another person and increase the cost for those people. Mm -hmm. So we need to, that's, that's one of the things I'm looking for is equity. I'm looking for the ability that everybody shares the load equally, but to keep the load as minimal as possible. And to keep the ownership as pure and clean as possible, uh, that's my, that's my goals. That's that's mm -hmm. my philosophies. Gotcha. I can see that. Hey, how do you fill that hole? So no property taxes there. Is it a sales tax? Is it? A yeah, I don't know. That we need to have the discussion. But but at, at the heart of it, you have to remember that as long as somebody has a lien against you, it's not your property. Right. Okay. Right. So that's 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 my philosophy. And like I said, I mean, uh, this is pushing uphill entirely, right. but uh, I certainly would like to uh, look and see if we can't find some alternative income and alternative funding method for government. Fair, fair. Hey, John, I really appreciate you joining us. Yes, thank you. Great conversation, Oh, and best of luck in your candidacy. Thank you. You betcha, and um, thanks, for, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Carson Chatter. You can subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud apps to get new episodes as they are uploaded. Once you've subscribed, please leave a review as it makes it easier for people to find the podcast. Please engage with us via social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by simply searching for Carson Chatter. You can also email us at carsonchatterpodcast at gmail.com. See you again soon, and please don't forget to tell a friend about this podcast.